Today is June 19th, 2021. Happy Juneteenth, y'all. On today's episode of Let's Uncomplicate This, I speak with Dee Dee Miller, one of my favorite guests to have on the show, and she uncomplicates Juneteenth for us. We talk about what it means making it a federally recognized holiday and what we can do going forward or what we should do going forward. I also have joining us in the conversation, Shannon Schmidt, who is my normal co-host for Plaid Skirts and Basic Black, and she's able to add her thoughts and her ideas to the conversation. We hope you enjoy it. And today we will be rounding off with how we are seeing black joy as if Juneteenth is not enough. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Let's Uncomplicate This. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I am doing okay. I, I'm excited about the new federal holiday we're going to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. For, before, <laughs> before we get into that, I just want to remind our guests, our listeners, that you are the president of CUBL. Um, you have been on the podcast a couple times before, uncomplicating many, many things for us, and I, I'm just excited to welcome you back. So for first-time listeners, this is our fearless leader of Catholic United for Black Lives. She's the one who keeps us in line or tries really hard mm-hmm. to. Oh, we're also joined by Shannon. Shannon's here in the background. She's hey. listening. Hey, y'all. <laughs> so. I would just like to emphasize that tries to part because y'all don't always like to be kept in line. No, no, we don't. You've met me, right? So that's a real thing. So yeah, so um, Shannon and I are here for Dee Dee's wisdom. Because mm-hmm. um, if you don't know this, Shannon, welcome to Let's Con Complicate Thank This. Thank you. That Shannon. was a very complicated introduction. <laughs> well, we're going to uncomplicate We're going to uncomplicate it. So Dee Dee, yeah. let's talk about Juneteenth. Juneteenth has been part of your life forever right you're you're a texas girl well okay my family has roots in texas so my um my uh, my ancestors were enslaved in southeast texas um on both sides of my family Um, my grandparents moved to california so during the great migration so california has a huge southeast texas and texas in general population Um, And so we were a part of the migration. Uh, And one of the things that folks brought with them from Texas was Juneteenth. So I grew up always knowing about Juneteenth, celebrating Juneteenth. Um, In the San Francisco Bay Area, we have one of the largest uh, Juneteenth celebrations outside of Texas. Um, So it's very much a part of my roots, very much a part of my experience growing up. Great. Okay. So what, Didi, what is Juneteenth? And we hear it all the time. I know, I know what Juneteenth is, but for our listeners who may not understand, I hear about it all the time. I didn't really celebrate it until I was adult. Like I knew about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you grow up black, you know about Juneteenth, <laughs> mostly for the most part. Um, or even if uh, maybe Shannon, did you grow up knowing about Juneteenth? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, Shannon is biracial. Probably. So maybe she only Probably. halfway knew. About Juneteenth. I wasn't paying a lot of attention. I was navigating white spaces. 
Nodidi, also the historian of the bunch. Mm. Tell us about Juneteenth, please. Sure. So the short version is um, that during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation. That was on January 1st, 1863. And in the Emancipation Proclamation, he declared all the slaves in the rebellious states to be free. And he allowed them to um, enlist in the military to fight for the Union. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you had already had, um, even before the Emancipation Proclamation, you already had slaves that were liberating themselves, or shall I say enslaved people who were liberating mm-hmm. themselves, um, and who were presenting themselves to um, Union camps and were being held in what were called contraband camps. So even before Lincoln issued this Emancipation Proclamation, enslaved people were liberating themselves. I think that's an important thing to bear in mind because it wasn't like he waved a magic wand and then suddenly Black people were like, oh, hey, we could be free. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not. um, Black people had been liberating themselves since the very beginning of slavery. So um, the news of the Emancipation Proclamation and the reality of the Emancipation Proclamation uh, spread slowly. Uh, and Texas is one of the last pace, last places that sort of the reality of the Emancipation Proclamation um, was known. Uh, and that's because um, people who like uh, people who are really invested in being enslavers, really invested in owning black people, uh, started to move west as the Union started to gain ground. Mm-hmm. And so you had lots of people moving into Texas trying to find safe haven for their um so they can continue to be enslavers enslaving people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so they were not they were the folks who were really not willing to go quietly um they were willing to do whatever it took even if it meant that they had to march their slaves into a new state they were willing to do whatever it took in order for them to be able to remain enslavers wow um yeah so that's a lot of moving though like yeah. I mean, I guess they didn't have to be the ones moving it. They mm-hmm. had a labor force that mm-hmm. could move for them. Mm-hmm. So right. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. No two men in a truck. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, this was not a two men in a truck kind of a thing. So, um, so when New Orleans fell in 1862, that really ramped up the number of people who were fleeing into Texas with their um, enslaved people. Uh, and so, um, by the time you get to June 19th, 1865, the federal troops finally make it into Southeast Texas, Galveston in particular, and Major General Gordon Granger issues General Order Number 3, um, letting the uh, enslaved population and also the enslavers know that um, the Emancipation Proclamation had been issued and that the enslaved people in Texas were free. So that's two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation was issued. It's important to note, like this, it took so long for this that by the time this information got there, uh, Abraham Lincoln was already dead. Whoa! The, you know, I never thought about that before. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, you're right. It was not too long after. Yeah. That's yeah. so crazy. I never thought about that. Yeah, yeah. So, oh my so gosh. the 
Yeah. So the so so Major General Granger is saying, hey, you know, the president issued this proclamation that y'all are free and the president's dead. <laughs> so uh, it that's how long it took. Uh, the 13th Amendment, which would officially end slavery in uh, the entire United States, unless you were convicted of a crime. Uh, that that process was already underway, had already been voted on in Congress and was already in the process of being ratified. Um, And there were already approximately 200,000 black troops that had enlisted, fought and died in the war. So, So when we think about that two and a half years, it's like, that is a big, there's a big deal and so much had happened over the course of that time Mm -hmm. but again the enslavers uh who moved their enslaved people to texas were really invested in maintaining their status and maintaining their quote-unquote way of life uh and so they had no intention you know moving to texas was their way of saying we have no intention Mm -hmm. of actually freeing any of these folks and in and the thing about it is like just like the Emancipation Proclamation wasn't a magic wand that we wave, General Order Number Three was also not a magic wand that we wave. Um, there had already been Black people liberating themselves mm-hmm. in Texas, and some of them did that after uh, General Order Number Three was issued, and a lot of them were killed. And don't huh. talk about mm-hmm. um, because. You know, white supremacy doesn't go quietly into the wind. It's uh, not. We're yeah. learning and, that. Right. And <laughs> so there has not been a wind strong enough yet. <laughs> yes, right. So so like so the enslavers were like, okay, you can keep your piece of paper, and they threatened their enslaved people within an inch of their life. Some were able to liberate themselves, get to union camps. Um, I've been able to find in the record some of my family members that made it to union camps. Uh, in Texas, but um, yeah, so so some of them were able to make it, and unfortunately, some of them weren't. Uh, and there's contemporary testimony from the time about the lynchings that took place mm-hmm. uh, from those slaves that challenged, uh, that tried that tried to um, actually attain freedom for themselves. Um, a lot of a lot of people died in that process. So, and there were people who were held as slaves in Texas for years after that uh Mm -hmm. years after the 13th amendment is ratified um so yeah the 13th amendment just got ratified we we discussed this earlier how it just got ratified in what mississippi like a few years ago how long ago in 1995 but procedurally they made a mistake like they didn't they didn't send it to the archivist in the correct way Mm -hmm. so 2013 what is when they finally made sure that it was ratified the correct way okay wait that's okay that's real scary so in mississippi they finally made sure that it was ratified yeah so it was certified in it was certified in 2013 (laughs) yeah Yeah. who apparently in mississippi were legally not free (laughs) so oh my goodness Mm Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad. Yeah. Like, and they and they outright rejected it. And they outright rejected okay. it in 1865. Um. Yeah. So. Okay. So the 13th Amendment came, and then I we were off track. We just started talking about Mississippi. Mm-hmm. We did. So 
Um, when, I'm sure you'll get creative about how you're going to splice that all. Oh, together. yeah, it's fine. I will. I'm not going to leave it in like in the early days of our original podcast. <laughs> Back in the day. Back in the day. Uh, so the enslaved people, they're liberating themselves. They're the, this, everyone's telling them like, you are free now. Um, and the 13th Amendment is getting ratified. So when did people start making a celebration of June 19th? Okay, so it seems pretty obvious that people celebrated um, at the time. Uh, so in 1865. <laughs> I'm going to be real cautious. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were definitely some celebrations and there was definitely some white supremacy and racist violence that, that came about as a result. But uh, the first official Juneteenth was in 1866. Okay. Um, and that was in spite of, of terror and racial violence that was still ongoing in Texas, in spite of the fact that there were still people being held enslaved in Texas. Uh, the first Juneteenth was held. And I just have to tell you, like, it is it is so inspirational to me. And I think a testament to the real message of Juneteenth that in the face of, of like proximate violence mm -hmm. and terror in the face of people being lynched and put to death, they still had a Juneteenth celebration and it mm -hmm. was a celebration. Put on your Sunday best. We're going to have music. We're going to have good food. We're going to have dancing. We're going to have preaching. We're going to have praying. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to be supporting each other. Like this was a celebration this was black joy mm -hmm. in the midst of the terror the violence the death and the destruction of the civil war mm -hmm. oh that's beautiful um yeah. wow that's and so now we celebrate it mm -hmm. here yeah. and now it's federally recognized holiday i know yeah what a yeah. day what a day so there are some there's some complicated and complex feelings about Juneteenth being a federal holiday. Um, even though we're excited, like, wait, mm -hmm. our Independence Day, our Freedom Day, mm -hmm. um, or what is it called? Emancipation Day? Is that what it's called? No, I'm just going to call it Juneteenth. I'm just, it's going to, it's going to, it's Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. We don't call okay. it Juneteenth. <laughs> it's always what it's about. All yeah. right. So it's going to call it Juneteenth. Um, and it's now a federally recognized holiday, so it's like some people get a day off work, and some mm -hmm. people get a day off work with pay. Mm -hmm. um, and some people, many Black people, don't get a day off of work. Yes. Exactly. And that's, mm -hmm. and I think about that. There's and I'm just, irony to that. There's some irony to it where people who have those real good government jobs mm -hmm. are the ones that are going to have no no work and more pay mm -hmm. you know um to celebrate our emancipation but mm -hmm. we don't not all black and not like black people are the, the ones majority who are of black people are the majority not. of black people will not be able to enjoy the day as it is intended um right which gives me some conflict conflicting thoughts about Absolutely. juneteenth being a federally recognized holiday mm -hmm. because they're more likely to go if that's the case then well, I'm going to work for time and a half because I got to feed my family or I've got mm -hmm. things to do. And really like you could be relaxing mm -hmm. on your holiday. So it's like, it's almost as if we're really not free still. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or 
<laughs> or we're living in this world and we're already not free. So, and that is, uh, I don't know what can be done to rectify that. Yeah. We can't be like all the white people you have to <laughs> you work. Have to work for us, <laughs> Even though oh my god! Could you imagine? <laughs> that would go over like a lead balloon. That would go over. Can you imagine? Okay, white people, no, you work. Yeah, <laughs> we I've, will be home. I've also but, heard of people calling for a mostly white people calling for a day of service, and it's like, no, you don't. Slavery no. by saying like, go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I believe in community service. I yes. am a Catholic. It's yes. important. Baptism but like, promises all of it. But like also rest. Rest is a is a commandment. Right. <laughs> it's a commandment. Um, yeah. So that, that that struck me a little interestingly. I think the other thing that um, frustrates me a little bit about this is that we sort of jumped over policies that would really change the lives of the majority of black people to be like we're gonna give you a holiday um you know and many people have been quoting james baldwin saying you know that's what that's what'll happen it's like they'll give you a token and and call it freedom call it liberation um and uh you know especially you know with the work that we're involved in here at cbl and like it's we're all excited we're all glad that something black finally gets recognized but it would be really nice if we would like you know focus on the flourishing of black yeah, lives like, you know yes. it would be a wonderful testament to um to the freedom that was provided through through the end of slavery is for gen the get generational gap wealth created by the generational wealth gap created by slavery to be lessened yeah or you know we can get our 40 acres in the mule i'll take that i'll take 40 acres is a lot what? i mean like a that lot like of that's acres in the in mule this real estate market <laughs> right oh that my god good stuff. i was like mm -hmm. i'd probably pass on the mule all right i don't need the mule but um but that 40 acres <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, very it's very true it's very true it's like i don't know what i would do with the mule like i don't know i would name it it would be my pet like kitty rides you could you could open a business i could right there on my 40 acres it's, it's, a, a, it's a pony it's <laughs> really a pony it looks you funny it's a pony put kid. a little like unicorn horn on it you're good oh, look at this business deals um let's uncomplicate this <laughs> my goodness <laughs> <laughs> So you're right. Um, yeah. What would really be nice is reparations. And I know yeah. that people have, there are a lot of conversations surrounding reparations and what that might mean and things like that. And how is that? But how else? There's a whole generational wealth gap created around mm -hmm. because of slavery, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. They, these enslavers got rich on the backs of the enslaved people mm -hmm. quite and, literally and they got to keep their money mm -hmm. and they got reparations they, they for got, the quote-unquote property that they yes lost. for the property right. they lost. So we were yeah. property we were still considered property mm -hmm. when we were free yeah yeah and and um and we get a federal holiday where mostly white people get to be off and get paid for it mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's, and if I sound snarky and bitter, I may, maybe I am, yeah. 
Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, just, that, yeah. that reality kind of hits, hits us hits us yes. like square in the nose i mean i i freely admit that i'm a bit possessive about juneteenth just because you know yes. the the people celebrating the first juneteenth were my my ancestors mm-hmm. um so i get a little possessive about it and the thing that frustrates me in addition to everything you've said about like how this will be u- used to sort of assuage white guilt when they inevitably fall fail to give us you know any sort of justice through voting rights or reparations or police reform or really anything else that would actually make this a more equitable world, right? Um, and in addition to that, you also know that by like making this a national holiday, it changes it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, I, mm-hmm. it was ours. I, right. And, and I just really want to fiercely defend the purpose of Juneteenth, which is black joy in the face of racial violence. I cannot yes. say it enough. Juneteenth is about black joy in the face of racial violence, in the face of being threatened we can't sort of whitewash this history of, of Juneteenth and forget that people were being subjected to violence as they celebrated mm-hmm. um, from state forces, from police forces, from their local white supremacists. They were being subjected to violence. And when Jim Crow came, they did everything they could to try to use Jim Crow laws to stop Juneteenth celebrations. And they still went forward. Right. Every ordinance that they passed, every act of terror that they committed, black people still continued to gather on Juneteenth to celebrate liberation, to mm-hmm. be joyful. Uh, even even as as late as, you know, the 1980s, there's there's a, a case in 1981 um, where three three black boys mysteriously drowned in police custody mm-hmm. at a Juneteenth celebration. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in the face of all this, black people gather. We can't use the community parks. We will buy our own land and we will create our own emancipation parks and we will have our own lakes and we will still have our celebration. Mm-hmm. And that's, and a lot of times we, we hear, especially over the last year, we hear people talking about like joy is resistance, joy is resistance. Mm-hmm. This is like Juneteenth is the, is the, is an act of joyful resistance in the face of violence and so you know it it becomes a national holiday and it gets commercialized and you've got like your juneteenth t-shirts and hats at walmart and like you're you go to you go to dollar tree and you got like your sequins juneteenth hats for a dollar (laughs) but i mean it's like it's like okay but also you know what about this what about this narrative of of joy as resistance Mm -hmm. um like and then there there are people who are who are trying to come up with all these creative ways to celebrate and and are in the process co-opting the narrative um and creating you know things like oh let's do an act of service okay Mm -hmm. acts of service are great but also juneteenth is about black joy Mm -hmm. juneteenth is is putting on your best singing dancing eating, praying, shouting, like that's Juneteenth, you know, um, down in Texas, you know, brisket cook-offs. Oh, that sounds right. Like, like soul food, like that is, you know, art and art entertainment, like Mm -hmm. that is Juneteenth. Right. Mm -hmm. And we have, we have 364 days a year where we can educate and have community service projects and Mm -hmm. protest and, and lobby Congress and, we have all of those days, but this is the one day, at least f- 
for folks from Texas. This is that one day where we say, you know what, we're going to stop and be joyful mm -hmm. about the freedom that we were able to attain, even as we recognize and remember that our, that we have ancestors who never saw the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that's Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. And for it to be misappropriated, for it to fall into the trap of every other holiday that we have, right? Where, um, you know, businesses commercialize it. And it becomes like the trendy thing to have, you know, a Juneteenth banner on your website. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's just like further and further sort of assuaging that guilt, right? Like, here's this easy thing I can do mm -hmm. instead of doing the hard things that would actually make a difference for people. Yes. Um, like actual so, anti-racism work and making sure that you have equitable programs for your employees. and for yeah, all of it. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the other thing is um, if we if we fight for the legacy of Juneteenth, then, you know, we can also foresee the circumstance where, where Black people will be called upon to, to do labor on that day, to do the labor of educating, to do mm -hmm. the labor of explaining, to do, to do the labor of, of calling people out when they appropriate mm -hmm. all of, I mean, and, and there's a certain level of violence to that when, when, when yeah. black people are forced to labor instead of being able to be joyful. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I don't know, it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like this event that's liberating then becomes sort of further exploitation. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's where the conflicted feelings come from. I do want to just say, though, because I feel like I have to. There are people who poured their lives into making Juneteenth yes. a holiday. And I, yes. think we, and I think we have to acknowledge and they're black people. Yes. Um, I, um, I believe it, um, mother, the mother of Juneteenth is like 94 years old, right? So mm -hmm. she spent a good bit of her life talking about Juneteenth, promoting Juneteenth, and trying to get that national holiday. So um, I, I don't want to diminish her, and I don't want to diminish her contributions. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to diminish the hard work that was put into it, but also there's, there's a reality. There's more that we know in 2021, you know? Yeah. Um, we have been able to see time and time again what these efforts of national recognition can sometimes turn into, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I guess we're just more than a little cynical and jaded about how this is going to turn out because we have seen this play before. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, we have over time. time, and, right. time. and white supremacy is not going to take Juneteenth from me. I just, oh, I, I just no. refuse. I refuse. Like, y'all, it will not. It will not. Um, and so, I will not have it. <laughs> so it's going to be a day of joy. It is not going to be a day of labor for me. It is going to be a day of joy for me. We are going to cook out. Um, we have, uh, I don't, I no longer live in the Bay area, but where I am, we have Juneteenth celebration. So my family will be in attendance and we will also mm -hmm. be cooking out and we'll pull out the kids inflatable pool. And we are going to be joyful. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many of our ancestors that never got to see the day. Yep. That never got to see the day. So we have to be joyful for them. Yeah. And also that joy sustains us as we continue to fight, right? Because yeah. it's not, the, the fight is not over. We are still fighting for liberation in 2021. Mm -hmm. I think 
to kind of speak Judy to the point that you had about um, not downplaying the importance of the work that people have done to get to this day is the thing that sticks out to me that in the one of the main ways we can honor this work that they have done is that even with all of our reservations that we've voiced you know we are quite literally in a time where our politicians and people are working against teaching racism in our schools, mm -hmm. against teaching this history in our schools. And mm -hmm. so all of a sudden now we have a federal holiday that is going to force that conversation to happen. So, um, you know, like, uh, you know, we're going to hold on to this holiday. We are like, it's not going to mm -hmm. change. We're going to let people know yeah. about it. <laughs> right. Right, because it's preserving our history, like you said, mm -hmm. and and no matter how many people um, try to use some corrupted idea of critical race theory to be like the latest whipping boy, mm -hmm. like no no matter how many people do this, uh, no matter how many people uh, try to change our school curricula, uh, people are going to ask questions. Kids are going to ask mm -hmm. questions. There are so many people who are fearful about schools teaching this and indoctrinating that, and they fail to remember that children are curious and they mm -hmm. ask questions. And whether or not you give them the answers to those questions, they will soon become of age when they can answer them for themselves. Mm -hmm. And they will seek out someone who can answer them. I mean, right. We know that in the church, right? If you right. We know that <laughs> they're going to look somewhere else. Yeah, right. Because children are curious and they want to know the answer, mm -hmm. and they and they are hurt and they feel betrayed when they find out that people kept things from them or lied to them. Mm -hmm. um, and so, mm -hmm. and so, there's going to be a reckoning around that as well. Uh, mm -hmm. But the and you know the another key purpose of Juneteenth was also to keep the history alive to never forget. Mm -hmm. And so, like. It, it is in some ways fitting that we have this national holiday now, that we have this renewed attention on it now mm -hmm. at a time when people are actively trying to erase Black mm -hmm. history. Yes. Mm -hmm. We have yet another opportunity to say, never forget. Mm -hmm. Never forget. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Didi, thank you so much for being coming back to the show <laughs> um, to come in uncomplicating Juneteenth for us and talking through our complicated emotions surrounding it. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate you. Please remind our listeners once again, where we can find you. Sure. Uh, I am most active on Instagram um, at uh, DD's dot journey. Uh, and of course you can find me on CUBL um, contributing to that page as well, along with Shannon and Marcia and the whole rest of the board. Um, and so you can definitely find us there. Our website, I'm sure you guys know what it is, but just in case you've forgotten, is www.cubl.org. So don't forget to check us out. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Sure, no problem. So, if celebrating Juneteenth as black joy as a form of resistance isn't enough for you, let me leave you with the joy that is our Duchess and black princess, Meghan Markle, being a number one New York Times bestseller for her children's picture book, The Bench. 
Congratulations, Megan. All of your humanitarian work is bringing us joy and we are all embracing the princess that's in our heart. You guys have a great week. It was nice talking with you and sharing this conversation with you. Thank you so much to Dee Dee Miller for once again bringing us her insight and her wisdom. Thank you to Shannon Schmidt for being a part of our episode. And thank you to you, our Patreon subscribers, for sharing in this mission and frankly, putting your money where your mouth is. We hope that you have a great Juneteenth. We hope that you have a great week and we will talk to you next time. Bye.